welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and this week I'm joined by my colleague Jay Shabat to discuss the beginning of fourth quarter earnings season and whether American may regret its decision to double regional pilot pay last year. Thank you and enjoy. Hey, Jay, how are you doing today? Hi, Ned. Happy earnings season to you and yours. Yes, uh, this podcast will release Friday. We're taping on Wednesday, but uh, when you're listening to this, uh, listeners, you will know how Delta did in the fourth quarter and in all of 2022. So we're going to start out today talking a bit about what we're looking for in uh, those earnings calls as they start coming out. So I just pulled a few, uh, just came up with a few topics to discuss as we enter Q4 earnings season, just something, a few things to think about as airlines are reporting their numbers and discussing their results. So I think top of mind for me, certainly, is just the simple fact that oil prices, energy prices, and by extension, jet fuel prices, have uh, declined rather dramatically over the past few weeks and months. So I just checked today, again, we're recording this on Wednesday, And the WTI price of oil is at 76 as we're talking Wednesday morning. That was 122 back in June. So you're talking about a near 40%, nearly 40% drop in the price of oil, which is uh, takes a lot of uh, pressure off of airlines as they uh, you know go into 2023, especially since yeah, that's a massive drop. It's it's massive. Yeah, and and it's you know Jeff Jeff. Fuel prices won't correlate exactly with with crude oil, but but it's you know we're talking it's going in that same direction, and yeah. it comes at a time when most of uh, the industry's cost base is increasing rather sharply. So you have of course labor costs going up, and you know just cost of custom materials, cost of uh, airport costs, and you know just sort of general inflation that many economies are experiencing right now. So Jay, that, I'm gonna, I'm, Jay, I'm going to jump in here. Speaking of costs, you know, I, I was just reading a new report out uh, from Bank of America's aviation analyst yesterday, and you know, they they are saying you know airline costs have reset higher than they were pre-pandemic, and that's just a fact of the industry going forward. We're not we're not going back to pre-pandemic cost levels at most airlines. Right. I remember that. For a typical airline, this would vary across regions, and uh, you know it's it's not true for every airline. But roughly speaking, between thirty and forty percent of an airline's cost base is just fuel. So that really moves the needle. When you have a you know if your jet fuel prices are going down by forty percent, that uh, can really impact your overall cost base. So you could theoretically, I mean, we go into twenty twenty three thinking that you know. The industry is going to have a higher cost, which which I, or, or sort of a reset cost base, as you mentioned, which which is you know likely true, uh, but you have to consider that in the context of oil and energy just dropping very rapidly. Now again, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow <laughs> to oil? So maybe we're speaking, back up at one Speaking of what happens to oil, uh, and I know that that you're skeptical of these forecasts, Jay, but the energy. Information uh, Administration of the U.S. government is forecasting a slight decline in crude oil prices in the first half of 2023. Now, uh, Jay well, can tell Ned. us why this is. Well, yes. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I, I threw a dart uh, with a blindfold on and uh, it landed on my, for me, it landed that uh, 
you know, oil is actually going to go uh, go up. So who knows? You know, <laughs> exactly. Take these forecasts with a grain of salt. Anything could happen to oil prices. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I am skeptical of forecasts. I mean, I try to pay close attention to the energy analysts and they're typically all over the map. I mean, there are some, you know, legitimate, legitimately, uh, you know, uh, respectable analysts who are uh, forecast, who, you know, who say, I think there there is a, an idea out there that perhaps oil is going to get squeezed up again because of, you know, various issues on the supply side and China's now reopening. So you're going to have more demand. Um, and all of that is, you know, I think that's important to pay attention to. I'm not dismissing the experts here, but I've just been in this business long enough to know that, uh, you know, just when you think oil is going to go to $200 a barrel, as I think was it Goldman Sachs said that in, you know, in the early 2010s, uh, 24, late 2014 comes along and it just absolutely crashes. And then we get, you know, four or five years of rather, rather mild oil prices and the pandemic comes and we get oil at negative. And then last year, or yeah, last year we get or last summer oil at 122. So it's I, I just yeah, I think it's important to be humble about trying to predict the future path of oil prices. Absolutely, but you know I think that you you're hitting on the bigger nerve, a uh, bigger topic that we're both watching as we come into fourth quarter earnings season, which is costs. Um, oil is a big input in airline costs, and the other big input is labor. And we've seen in the U.S. Delta Airlines uh, pilots ratified ratified or no they reached an agreement uh, on a significant pay raise in early december and spirit airlines pilots just ratified this week uh, their own pay increase and so you know crew costs are are going to be up dramatically and that's historically a third or a quarter of airline expenses jay you can correct me on that but you know oil and, and labor are the two biggest expenses at airlines and both are significantly higher. So that's something we're going to be watching closely. Yeah, the labor cost is definitely kind of resetting at a higher rate. And the other thing to be, uh, to, to kind of consider uh, is that typically the way that an airline will decrease its unit costs over time, or one important way in which they do so, is through growth. You're just basically um, you know, kind of taking advantage of the just the nature of airline economics and where, you know, you can, let's say, get a new plane, fly it farther, put more seats in it uh, and, you know, kind of hold your fixed costs constant or let them go up by a fixed amount. And you kind of decrease your cost that way. So there's, there's a big question of whether airlines are going to be able to grow. And we know that last year they struggled to grow not so much because the demand was there. Demand, demand actually was there. It was coming back very fast for many airlines, but they couldn't grow because of these supply constraints that right. were in the news. You know, we talked about not being able to get enough aircraft on time, or you know, we can't hire enough workers, or we don't have enough pilots. Uh, so um, that is, you know, one in the past, an airline might have, uh, you know, given their labor unions uh, better pay um, and higher pay. And that would eventually kind of be addressed by through growth, you know, just by just by growing the airline. You yes, you had higher, you know, fixed labor costs, but you also were, uh, you know, getting your pilots and your flight attendants to produce more ASMs for that same amount. So right, 
That's a, that's a big big question. Is you know what's what's the growth prospect for the industry? But you you know one thing that airlines were looking for in 2023 is is utilization of nearing or returning to 2019 levels because utilization, mm-hmm. i.e. you know the, an easy metric is the number of aircraft per employees is still below 2019 levels and uh, in the U.S. it's uh, I want to say 15 16 percent below, and so you know that's something that's going to help bring costs near uh, pre-pandemic levels as utilization increases. But like you said, it, you know, we've said prices have reset higher. So it's it's never going to go back fully. But utilization is going to be a big part of that. And we're going to be watching how much airlines are able to to get utilization back up. A hundred percent. Yeah. You don't have to grow in a, you know, in the fancy way, in the in the exciting way by like adding new routes uh, and, um, you know, and new planes. You're, you you can absolutely grow by just uh, utilizing your aircraft more intensively, and that's uh, you know that was that was kind of a big secret to Southwest's early success is that they they recognize this this you know important feature of airline economics that if we uh, you know use our planes more intensively we keep them in the air more often we can uh, we can uh, we can grow we can grow the number of ASMs that we're flying, and that will bring down our unit cost. Now, there are interesting, you know, not to go down uh, another, this is another topic, but uh, but there are a few contrarians uh, in this respect. Allegiant is one that, you know, stands out as an airline that actually does not prioritize aircraft utilization, which is interesting. They actually operate with a low aircraft utilization model, but I guess that's a, another topic for another podcast. Absolutely, you know, but Allegiant's been very successful with that. But yeah, exactly, yes. it's a whole different, different business model. But beyond uh, beyond the cost side of things, you know, one one thing we're looking at is is demand, which uh, is for the most part has not abated in the U.S. We had China open up over the holidays. Now there are still visa and um, other limits on travel there. But you know, we expect Chinese travelers to start coming back in the system, which will boost demand for airlines that have exposure to China. You know, it, there's a lot of other things we're looking for as airlines start, as airlines report their fourth quarter. Yeah, I think we're go, going into the quarter, the demand picture is still positive. Now we're going to be listening very closely to, you know, is, is to, to see if any, any airlines uh, start to say, you know, that, that that's perhaps... Um, not the case that, uh, you know, this market or that market is starting to soften. Uh, so, you know, pay attention to, uh, to anything like that. But yeah, so far, so good on the demand side, as you mentioned that, you know, China's opening up. So that's, uh, going to provide, um, hopefully some, you know, a new, new, uh, kind of demand stimulus for, for the industry. And at the same time, you know, the U.S. economy is holding strong. Everybody seems to be predicting that a recession is going to come. I saw an estimate yesterday from the Atlanta Federal Reserve that GDP in the fourth quarter grew something like 4%, which doesn't sound like a recession to me. And the job market is still very strong. So I'm somewhat skeptical of the uh, the recession, uh, you know, doom, doomsayers. But uh, the, you know, certainly <laughs> U.S. consumers are spending money on travel. I don't think there's any signs of that abating. And I think even not in Europe, at the, not at all. No. And I think even in Europe where the economy, you know, does have some more difficult challenges, including, you know, much higher energy costs. Um, although incidentally, energy costs there uh, are getting some relief from some of the stuff we talked about earlier in this conversation. 
but still European economy definitely faces some challenges going into uh, early 2023. Yet there too, you don't see, you know, I haven't heard anything of, uh, you know, this market, that market's weakening. I think particularly in the leisure side, transatlantic, uh, you know, it's, I think all that is doing very well. Right. So demands there, costs are up. Sounds like airfares will remain high. You know, we'll have this. There's a lot we're watching as we go into the new year with uh, with earnings, and we're going to get, like I said, Delta will report on Friday and provide our first uh, look into uh, you know how 2022 performed and what they're expecting for 2023, especially after after the the meltdown at Southwest and and other things in December. But it's going to be an interesting time. It is, and you mentioned airfares, and there are a lot of forces that are pushing airfares up, and we. You know, I think we mentioned a lot of them already. One is that, you know, airlines haven't been able to grow. So they're because of, you know, some of these supply side constraints. So that has sort of elevated their unit cost. We, you know, talked about some of the new labor contracts that airlines are signing. That's pushing up costs, which, you know, ultimately translates to higher fares. But at the same time, you know, with oil coming down, with fuel prices coming down, that could potentially put some downward pressure on airfares. Um, which consumers would, you know, would welcome. So that's, uh, we got to watch these kind of, uh, you know, multiple forces uh, moving at the same time, see where airfares are I keep thinking of, of my, my, you know, elementary school lessons and levies and pooler, uh, <laughs> pulleys and levers, and one thing pulls, another thing goes, kinds of the stuff. The physics uh... of airfares. <laughs> exactly. Well, Jay, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. So Jay, I, I had the, you know, a topic that we've both been following closely has been the, the pilot uh, shortage in the US that's particularly affecting regional airlines. And, you know, I was at the US National Transportation Research Board annual meeting this week where I spoke to Raymond James analyst Savanthi Scythe, and she had an interesting perspective on some new higher pay rates that American uh, granted their wholly owned regional airlines last year. And right. Those, those, yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, Ned. Yeah, you want to share her perspective. Yeah, and and so you know, she said that American, you know, her view is American bet that they could raise rates, kind of attract all the available pilot talent, and then they wouldn't have a shortage at their regional affiliates. Uh, however, it appears other airlines have all matched those rates, as I think most of us expected at the time, and the. Pilot, and what this has done is the pilot shortage is easing, though there is a captain shortage, which is another issue. But it's raised the cost of regional flying dramatically in the U.S. You know, pilot costs more than doubled uh, with these with Americans' new rates, and you know that has just changed the economics of flying to smaller cities. And and Scythe, uh, she said that you know American might you know, they they bet wrong. On this because it's it's made the cost significantly higher. Now you know this, that's open for debate, but you know, yeah. What are your thoughts, Jay? Yeah, it's it is. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not sure uh, whether you know American had too much of a choice there. I mean, perhaps they could have you know held out for or negotiated longer. Um, I don't really have too strong opinion either way on that, but uh, it is certainly the case that uh, you know I think the the big three airlines in the U.S. United, Delta, and American. Are all facing, uh, you know, just a very, very different uh, equation when it comes to regional flying that they did in the past, because 
rates have just been pushed pushed up so far. And, uh, you know, it's hard to see that really changing um, very much in the right. near future. Barring, barring a Chapter 11 bankruptcy, I don't see rates going down at all. So, you know, these new pay levels are here to stay. Right, right. Yeah. But so what it's, what's interesting, you know, so we, we should talk a little bit more about this, but then someone else that I spoke to at, at the TRB conference was Landline's vice president, uh, Howard Cass. And so those not familiar with it, Landline is a, a, a bus operator, essentially, that touts uh, their offering sort of buses as flights, and they've got partnerships with American, United and Sun Country. And as the cost of flying, especially small jets goes up, you know, it, a product like Landline that you know, they're working to offer inside security to inside security connections uh, at airline major hubs. So the idea being, um, using American as an example, you go to the Atlantic City Airport, you check in at the ticket counter, you go through security, you board a bus, and that bus takes you directly to the gate at Philadelphia Airport, where you're inside security, you just transfer to your next flight. It's essentially a flight on a bus. And, you know, Mr. Cass spoke about how, you know, higher rates really creates an opportunity for landline to you know expand services if airlines are interested of course they're not the only ones interested in, in picking up some of of uh some of this slack so to speak as as the cost of regional flying goes up for the mainline carriers there's a whole subsector of airlines part 135 carriers so they operate essentially as scheduled charters they do not have meet they are not subject to the same hourly requirements for pilots as uh, SkyWest or Public are. And these airlines can fly things like nine-seat Cessnas and stuff, planes, uh, which potentially are economically feasible to serve a lot of these smaller places. So there's a lot of movement to sort of fill this gap. And, and the expectation is, you know, between landline, between Part 135 carriers like Southern Airways Express and, and um, Contour and Cape Air, that we, we might be seeing a shift in just sort of how a lot of these smaller cities are served in the U.S. amid changing pilot pay rates. Right. I, I think airlines are kind of looking at everything now. There are some impediments. I mean, just for the bus idea, I think that's, you know, been, been a model that's uh, not new. It's been around for a while. I think it's, you know, kind of gaining some momentum because of the what's new. What, what's old is new again is what, you know, what they say. <laughs> right, right. Um, what it what is new, legitimately new, is that uh, you know regional pilot costs have gone up so much that uh, you know there may be a new opening. I think the constraint there is, you know, you are limited. It's re- it just really can't be too long of a distance. I mean, I don't think too many people are going to get on a five hour bus bus ride to an airport. You know, we've so far I think seen that model work in very limited applications. I mean, it's very, very niche at this point. Is it going to grow? I mean, perhaps, but uh, but there's that. I should also add that there, you know, there's not just a pilot shortage in the U.S. There's also a driver shortage, you know, bus drivers and, and truck drivers. So I think it's easing somewhat now. Right. But uh, but that's, you know, that's, they had the, the bus, it's not necessarily a very low cost option. Um, you know, buses have to, uh, you know, have their own labor issues to deal with. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And then as far as the part 135, I think the constraint there is, is likely, I'm not familiar with the, you know, the economics of that sector, but the constraint there is likely that the aircraft are so small that the, the unit economics have to be difficult. So, you know, is is uh, just 
fly. I mean, the, the unit economics of a 50 seat jet are, are, have, are very, very difficult. Let alone oh, yeah. And part 135 operators, by and large, are only flying, you know, essential air service routes where they can get a government subsidy to cover part of the costs. Or um, we see you know, Cape Air, for example, flies a lot to Hyannis, uh, Nantucket, Martha's Vineyard, which are traditionally higher yielding destinations that because they're islands don't really have many other options. But it's yeah, yeah, yeah there's government subsidy. And, and, you know, you just have to, if you're an airline, you have to ask yourself, you know, if you, uh, you know, let's say you're operating from a hub, whether it be Atlanta or Minneapolis or, you know, you name it, uh, you know, you, you want that extra feed from a small city so you can sort of pump more traffic onto your long haul flights, medium haul flights. You just have to ask yourself, well, if, you know, this, this little airline is going to bring me nine passengers from, uh, you know, Podunk, Iowa. Uh, into my hub is it really you know the economics really work this way it, it might I mean I, I don't I'm not I don't want to you know sound too skeptical here but I, th- those are things that um, I just want to raise some points that uh, that airlines are going to have to consider you know I don't I don't know that this is going to be I mean if you go back to the early 90s when the CRJs when Bombardier started first building these CRJ aircraft these 50 seat regional jets that absolutely revolutionized uh the you know the u.s airline sector just completely changed the table i i don't think we're seeing you know that type of revolution underway with with any of these new models that we that we're talking about no that's i mean that's an interesting perspective jay and and you know you're right i agree uh i wasn't there you you were more on the front lines of the crj revolution than i was but when crjs came in i remember uh, being an outsider like they just Everyone had to have them. They were able to get such a higher, you know, people preferred to fly on them. All the things compared to turboprops. And this does not feel like that moment. You know, this is an existential question for many smaller communities that want to maintain air service because, you know, many face losses. But, yeah, it's it's not a revolution. I think it's more of an evolution. Yeah. and, And the most likely scenario, unfortunately, I hate to say, is probably that, you know, a lot of cities just lose air service. And, uh, you know, I just think that's the reality. Um, unless, of course, and we can go back to the way we started this podcast, if fuel prices drop dramatically, then the economics of the whole industry start changing. Then, you know, maybe these these 70 seaters start becoming economical again, even 50 seaters start becoming economical again, even with higher regional, much higher regional pilot costs, you know, because as we said, Fuel is just such a large part of an airline's cost base. You know, things can change a lot when fuel drops dramatically. And I don't want to, you know, overdo the point here. It's not like oil is at twenty dollars a barrel. It's still closer to eighty. Uh, but uh, but that's you know that's that does change that that moves the needle a lot. Oh, absolutely. And you know, it's it's funny you say that because I remember writing in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen about. United embracing more 50 seaters going into a lot of these smaller markets. Fuel was low at the time. You know, there wasn't weren't staffing issues. And uh, United has been one of the most aggressive to pull out of some of these smaller markets. So it's like you say, it can change on a dime, uh, especially with oil. It's <laughs> for sure. Right, right. So many moving parts, right? So many moving parts. Well, Jay, we'll leave it there for today. Thank you, listeners, for listening to us chat about uh, the airline industry this week you can reach myself edward russell at er at skip.com you can reach jay at js at skip.com 
Jay, it's a pleasure. Happy earning season again to you, Ned, and to all of our listeners. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.